This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol here with Dr. Bill Marcioni. You have queued up a wonderful topic for today. You wanted to talk about duality and non-duality. And I'm not sure which one you wanted to start with. Well, let's go with duality first. Because remember that the second part of my question is non-duality and oneness, are they the same? But in the pre-show, you said there's no such word as oneness. So now I'm like, okay, so... How am I supposed to pose this question when there's no such thing? And I thought I'd, you know, I thought I had this thing going. So it is completely likely that if you look in the dictionary at this point, that the word oneness is in there. And there's certainly enough people who are using the term oneness that it is in common usage. So that was sort of a little bit of a joke that originally it wasn't a word. Uniquest is also not a word. Unique is one of a kind. And you can't have something be the one of a kind est. There is or isn't, but there's enough nuances come into language that we're not going to get all wrapped around the axle with that. So we will talk about non-duality, duality, and oneness, and all that that entails. So you want to start with a question before I just start pontificating? No, you pontificate because, all right, here's what I want you to cover in your pontifications. Okay. The difference between non-duality, duality, And as you said, there's a difference in oneness. So maybe we could kind of do that. Okay. The explanation that I will give for the difference between duality and non-duality, and for our purposes, non-duality and oneness are the same thing. And it's actually better to call it oneness because describing something by what it's not, like something in non-duality is just ripe for problems. So in the world of duality, let's talk about temperature. Okay. If I say hot, what would the opposite of hot be? Cold. Right. If I say up, the opposite of up would be? Down. Okay. In? Out. That's the world of duality. Uh, Actually, I was going to start with temperature, but I'm actually going to start with up. So if everyone who is listening to this could just point straight up right now, that will let us understand this is up. And we need to remember that we are all on the surface of a sphere that is planet Earth. And up is not in a particular direction. Up is away from the center of the earth. So there's 4,000 miles of rock between us and the center of the earth. And whatever that line continues on, that is up. However, it's different for everybody. So when we're talking about duality, if there's somebody who happens to be on the opposite side of the planet from me, my up and their up are exactly the opposite. Duality would say that up is this way and down is that way. 
And the fact of the matter is, it's all arbitrary. It's all a matter of perspective. It's where we are on the surface of the sphere. Same thing back to temperature, hot and cold. Well, I know when it's hot. It's you know, springtime now, so it's getting hot. There's been some 80-degree days in Philadelphia, and this morning it was 40. And I can tell the difference because do I need to wear my parka, or is it just going to be you know, a T-shirt and a baseball cap when I go out to walk the dog first thing in the morning? So it's hot or it's cold. And when it's too hot, I want it to cool down. And when it's too cold, I want it to warm up. And those are the same sorts of perspectives about up on the surface of the planet. Because the fact of the matter is, if you take away the heat, then you can still take away more heat. It can still get colder and colder and colder and colder. And at some point, because the heat is actually caused by the motion of the atoms rubbing against each other and moving around, when they stop moving completely, they can't get any colder. That's as cold as it gets. And that temperature is known as absolute zero or zero degrees Kelvin. And it's really cold, but it can't possibly get any colder because it turns out that heat is when the energy starts. So it can start at absolute zero and then things start moving and it starts warming up and warming up and warm. And eventually it gets to be a nice winter day. And then very quickly after that, it becomes a nice spring day. And then right after that, it becomes a very hot summer day. And then it starts getting into oven temperature and then it starts getting into furnace temperature, and eventually it starts getting into solar temperature and the surface of the sun and nuclear temperatures and all the rest of those thousands and thousands and thousands of degrees or millions of degrees of heat. But they can all be measured by how far they are above absolute zero beneath which nothing can happen. So when you and I are talking about hot and cold, what we're really talking about is how hot. Is it warm enough that it feels hot to us? Is it warm enough that it still feels cold to us? Or is it absolute zero? It can't possibly get any colder. Duality would be thinking that there is a hot and a cold, whereas non-duality or oneness is understanding that there's a single continuum that goes from no heat to as much heat as there possibly can be. Did that help? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was with you when you were talking about well, the temperature thing wasn't... When you were talking about up and down, I could get that because okay. that's contingent upon your perception, your interpretation. You know, you can apply that just about anywhere. You lost me with the heat thing. All right. Let me... You want to try one more? Yeah, go ahead. I could, I could try and force the heat thing down your throat and we just keep on hammering away at that. But if you're not getting it, you're not going to get it. Or maybe you'll get a glimmer and you'll circle back around to it later. And mess with me. You know what? And I'll start asking people in the chat. <laughs> I ain't going down by myself. <laughs> All right, we will do light. And this is not going to be the spiritual light. It's actually going to be optical light, the kind of light where you can see stuff. And there are lots of references to light and the nature of light in scripture and in science and in all kinds of places. And when there's a light on, you can see it. All right. And if you happen to be in a very, very bright place, like if you take a candle out into the park in the middle of the afternoon, it's a really sunny day. It's really hard to see the candle because everything is bright out in the park. However, when the sun goes down in the park and it gets really dark in the park, then you can see the candle from all the way to the other side of the park. And it gets darker and darker and darker. You go into a cavern, a cave. There's no light coming in from the outside. And you bring the candle with you. You can still see the candle. And it doesn't matter how deep you go in the cave. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. There is no force of darkness that's going to make the candle go away. If you start in that cave with no light whatsoever, there's nothing to see. You sit and you let your eyes get adjusted. Nothing. There is no light. All the instrumentation in the world is showing that there is no light here. You light a candle. It lights up the entire cavern. 
there is no force of darkness. There is the presence or the absence of light. Duality makes us think that light and dark both have power. And oneness is the understanding that there's only light. And sometimes it's visible and sometimes it's not. Okay, I get that. So it is about relativism, my perception of whatever it is at that moment, maybe what I'm going through in my world, or even how you might express something. But there is only one thing happening, correct? Mm -hmm. And it's either happening or it's not happening, but there's not a force. It's not moving. There's not a force to make it not happen. Yeah. Okay. So that's not duality, though. No, duality is the thought that there are two. Yeah. So that's non duality. Right. Or oneness. Or oneness. Or as Shea said, unity. Mm -hmm. Can be unity, not necessarily the unity church, which is a branch of new thought, but unity is in oneness. Yeah. And it's a good word for it. Yeah. Unity got the good name and all the new thought stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's my opinion. Yeah, it's got the good name. And we're getting ready to veer off, but I want to make sure I got this before we go off into that. Okay. All right. So one time I told the story, I'm going to tell this long story, but it's like the short version is I was completely lost getting home one time. And I pulled over and I was just so completely frustrated. And it was cold. It was when, in fact, it was around Christmas time. And I just decided to pull over and look at this house and its beautiful Christmas lights. And I was walking to the corner and I happened to notice that when I walked across the street, I was looking at another side of the house. It was the same house. It has different view or different, it looked different, but it was the same house. And matter of fact, when I looked at it from the other perspective, I wasn't lost. I didn't recognize it on the other side. So that's kind of non-duality. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was the same house. And in one sense, you were confused because it was on that side from this perspective. And from the other direction, it was guiding you home. The house didn't change. Exactly. The perspective changed. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that same thing happens a lot with our senses. We have five senses through which we interpret what's going on in the world. And they are very powerful, really, really wonderful sight and touch and smell and taste and hearing. And they're very limited. The input that they give us about the world around us is very limited to what those sense organs can tell us. And touch tells us that it's hot or it's cold. And sight tells us that it's light or it's dark or it's blue or it's green. And there are so many different frequencies in the electromagnetic spectrum that go beyond red and beyond purple. Those are just the extremes where we can see. And our senses tell us that's it. And everything happens inside of there. And then everything's a comparison about what we can perceive. And it's not true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I experienced that so many times in my life until I just kind of put my finger on what I call it, that makes me understand what's really going on. And I say, I consult my intuition. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I'm hearing somebody talk and everything in me is saying, no, this is not true. There's nothing about this that's true. Even taste, even a lot of different things. And I think it's knowing that the senses, again, are not all there is and not trusting it, but trusting beyond. Mm -hmm. And that might take a little bit, it might. But once you get so uncomfortable with the senses, you become comfortable with what I call intuition and the voice of intuition. And then things become okay. So in terms of non 
duality. That's another way to describe it, yes? Mm -hmm. Because it's a bigger picture of what is actually happening if you look at it through the eyes of intuition. Or yeah, that and that wouldn't it be nice if we actually treated intuition like it was a sense that we could develop and cultivate? Because it is. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it is. I think it very much It's is. definitely a thing, but it has not been cataloged to nearly the extent that vision has. Like, I can go to the eye doctor and get a test and then get glasses, but I don't. there's no intuition doctor where they're going to give me some intuition glasses so that I can see rightly. Let's take a break and continue with the discussion of duality versus non-duality versus oneness and perhaps it's not a versus, it's a an and. Is Reverend Bill letting you know that the Practical Prayer for Real Results class is now available on demand. That's right, you can take it at your own pace, anytime you want. All of the information is at bethelight.com. That's b-the-light.com. You know where to find that stuff. The class is five lessons, broken down into 18 modules, and you can take them at whatever pace is comfortable for you. As you work through the process, it starts out with the theory, goes into the practice, there are experiential activities and exercises, and at the end of the program, you will wind up with an understanding of how practical prayer works, and a practical prayer for yourself that will work to create transformation in your life. And as you know, it works for everything. Take a look at the class online at bethelight.com. There's a sample lesson so you can see how the class is going to work for you and then dive in. The great news is it's on sale now. You can register and save $20 off of the regular price. I'm looking forward to seeing you in class. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, having an amazing discussion about non-duality. And duality, and oneness, and unity, and all of those things. And the key thought about new thought is that notion of oneness or non-duality. There is no force that stands against that divine creative presence that is God. So the idea is that there is only God, there is only love, everything is that divine presence shared in its own way. And, you know, it starts out as our creation story because everything that we are comes from the divine. Everything that we are was part of God to begin with and continues to be part of God. And as creation gets more sophisticated and complicated and evolves into richer and greater detail, it's all God revealing itself in a different way. That's where oneness comes from. That's where non-duality comes from. There's not a force that stands in opposition to this. But I hear you say, what about evil? What about bad things happening? What about all of that stuff that is clearly not God? And did I hear you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you did not hear me say that. But I did not but hear you, you say that. But that's not like this, but it might be out there. So It's a rhetorical point. Because that's what a lot of people come to immediately when you say it's all good, it's all God, it's all love, it's all that divine presence revealing itself. You say, yeah, well, what about the Russians invading Ukraine? Or yeah, what about pedophilia? Or what about murders? Or what about genocides? Or what about fill in the blank? What kind of God would let that happen? And I am not going to come out as a fan of genocide or any of the other things that we call bad. Because... <laughs> That's just the path to trouble. However, what I will say is that it is all our judgment. When we say good or bad, 
It's the same as saying preferable or not preferable. It's the same thing that happens when we point up and we're all pointing in a different direction. We each get to have our own up. Everybody gets to decide what sort of a world is okay for us, what kind of a world I'm going to, like, I'll go along with, and what I'm going to fight, what am I going to push against? What am I going to say? No, that is certainly something that is possible, but not in my world. So I'm going to take a stand against it. Not because it doesn't, it's not divine, it's not God presenting itself, but because in the world that I live in, I'm not a fan and I'm not going to go along with it and I'm going to resist. And that's a personal human thing that each of us gets to do. We're going to have to go with that a little bit on another another <laughs> broadcast because I'm with you on this is not the kind of world that I want and preferences and all of that business. I am fully unprepared to say that some of these things that we see are God expressing God's self. I can't do that. Now, I think that I am like free will. I can accept that. Okay. You are free to do any doggone thing you want. Good. But I would not say that there is a not good. Do you know what I mean? You're free to do any kind of crap you want. You can do good and you can do not good. It is your choice. But I'm not quite there yet to say that when you do something like, see, I was going to leave that pedophile thing and wars and all those other things alone. I was going to leave that alone mm -hmm. because I'm not comfortable yet saying that that is God expressing God's self in those ways. I'm comfortable with saying that it's a person's choice to be a friggin' jerk, <laughs> scumbag. <laughs> If they choose. Tell us how you really that, feel. Yeah, okay. So that they're free to do that, right? That makes absolute sense to me. It, to me, is the denial of the good that's present always, and they're available for us to choose. And when somebody doesn't choose that, you know, that's them. Now, is that duality? I'm not sure, and I'm open to understand, but that's where I am at this point. Okay. Well, and here I come, smacking the hornet's nest with a stick. <laughs> you were just trying to have a nice walk through the park. <laughs> and here I come causing this kind of trouble. All right, I was just talking about up and down and hot and cold, and now you're talking about pedophilia and Nazis. So, like, what's up with that? And the reason that I bring that up is, and as distasteful as Nazis are, and some of the other things that go on in our world, which I find to be completely unacceptable and take a stand to make sure that I am not condoning it and I'm doing what is in my scope and power to oppose. But if we believe that there is one that created everything, it doesn't matter how good or bad we label it to be. It's part of the one. Now, I don't know what came off the rails in order to make some quote, divine and perfect expression of God's love, think that that behavior is okay or is acceptable. I'm not sure what's going on in the psychology and the backstory and the trauma and the rest of it to have brought somebody to be involved in these things, which I find to be completely abhorrent. But I can't say this is God and that's not. Because if this is God and that's not, then who's to decide which is God? Mm, still not there. Of course, there, there's evil and all that. We would all agree with that. I think it's not to say this is God and this is not. I mean, the term co-creator is thrown around a lot. And it's a nice term, but let's just get with it. If I am a co-creator, then I have some 
power in what happens, the power of choice. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I can choose to do that, which is not good. Where evil came from, I got to try to figure that out, right? I mean, there's no devil, so let's don't go down that road. But there are some things that people do that I just say they choose to do that. Let me say this. I was at a lake the other day, and I was explaining to someone about unity and oneness. And I was talking about infinite intelligence, you know. And I said, let's just assume that this lake this body of water is God. Everything that is God is right here. And anybody can withdraw from that. You know, you take a straw and, you know, you pull out of this, you're pulling it out all one place. So nobody is more, you just pull it, you know, like I will extract this kind of information because this is what I want. This is what I need, but everything is there for me and available to me. Now, once I take it, then I have some power and influence as to how that is used. Mm -hmm. So it's good information and I can misuse that information. So it's all good. But once I get it, there's that co-creative part that says, okay, I could use it this way, that way, free will, whatever. But it's good to begin with. Now, then you say, well, do I have the power to make that which is good be evil? Right now, yeah, that's what I'm going to say because it's just too much for me to say, yeah, I can't do that other thing just yet. So, okay. But keep trying. All right. Uh, I'll take another swing at this one. The notion that what we describe as evil and that what we describe as good are the same is a little bit troubling. And in fact, Richard Hawkin came up with a way of measuring consciousness or levels of consciousness or levels of energy. And his thesis is that there are 200 different levels of energy or consciousness. And as we grow spiritually, as we become more and more aware of what is harmonious and helpful, not just well, for getting what I want, but for what's good for everybody, we go from on one end of the spectrum is the reptilian, see it, kill it, eat it, where everything is based in fear to where things are more open, where we make the transition where things are based in love. And then that evolution through enlightenment continues until we get to the avatars who are at the very highest level of spiritual evolution and are seeing the oneness that exists everywhere and are out of judgment. And the notion is that there are on the planet at any given time, maybe half a dozen or a dozen people who have reached that 200 level avatar status, but it's a logarithmic scale. We have a lot, a lot, a lot of people at those lower levels of consciousness that are offset by the light and the love that's brought into the world, that's balancing and bringing more of that experience of love into the world. So is fear a, a thing? Yeah, I felt fear. We all have. And we know that when we're afraid of something, we give it our energy and we put our attention to it and then we're pushing against it. And in fact, when we step back and realize that there's nothing to fear and we let ourselves get out of the way, we finish the pushing we get to that space of love. All right. Instead of being afraid of it, I'm going to understand it. And I'm still not going to allow it in my neighborhood or my planet, but it's not because I'm afraid of it. It's because I know that it's not serving us. We get to that higher level of consciousness and we all tend to move to that higher level. And that's how enlightenment happens. So the idea of oneness is that all of that is part of the one. It's the continuum from the reptilian, see it, kill it, eat it, be afraid of it level to the I am one with everything divine 
you know, avatar sitting on the mountain having a religion named after me. Okay. So, you know what? In a way, it feels like you described my position because I was just like going with you on this. Are you saying that because I hold to the fact that God is refused to see God as evil and anything like that? I'm saying you make a choice between what's right and what is not right. You can say you define it as right or define it as or you can say anything you want. If you define pedophilia as right, you have a right to do that under the definition that you gave. That's what you define as right, but it ain't right. So <laughs> you can say <laughs> it's not right. So I think I might be a dualist then because I believe that the human has the choice whether you see God or not see God, you know, like what Shay said, that it, God is hidden, you know, that goodness is mm -hmm. hidden. We could go down that road too, but the goodness is always there. It is mm -hmm. always available and it could be experience. It could be ego, which is a biggie. It could be a whole bunch of things that keep us from seeing and choosing the good, but it's not that God's goodness is shady in any way. Because that way, I'd have the excuse, the crap I did in my life. I could say, well, you know, I was just expressing God that way. Come on. No, you're not moving up any continuum like that. When you were doing it, were you aware that it was not expressing the divine? At times. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. At times, it seemed like it was okay. If I was confused, perhaps. But okay. I'm thinking more of <laughs> deliberate choices that I made I knew weren't cool at the time. I mean, I didn't kill anybody, but I might have, you know, done some shady, <laughs> I did some shady stuff and thought, well, okay, it ain't that bad. Nobody's going to suffer but me, which is really a misunderstanding. That's stupid. It's wrong. It wasn't God. You remember that story I would tell you about when I was a teenager going clubbing and mm -hmm. I tell God to wait outside for me because I'm going in here and I'll see you when I get out. Well, come on. You know, that was my confused way of doing what I wanted to do. But separating God from what I thought was not a good place for God to be and or that I wanted God to be. And so let's divide that into your divine nature and your behavior, because we can probably agree because you are willing to judge yourself now and were at the time because you needed to leave God out in the parking lot. You knew you were going to be doing some stuff that was not Godlike, and that's okay. So your behavior was not that highest and best that you would normally be wanting to see in the world. That didn't change your divine nature. You were a divine and perfect expression of God's infinite love behaving poorly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the same thing can be said for anything that we judge as bad. And that includes the person who cuts us off on the highway and somebody you know who's rude, all the way to those things that are just absolutely so atrocious and horrible that they make the headlines and make you go, oh. <gasps> And that's probably one of the toughest things about this teaching is to acknowledge that it's all God and inside of the imperfection, challenge, difficulty, bad behavior, he goes far as this enlightened people or quasi enlightened people can describe it as evil, but it's way down the ladder from where we are. And we're not agreeing to do anything like that. But there are people who, for reasons of their own upbringing or trauma or perspective or ignorance or fear, 
are not only thinking those things and willing to do those things, but they've got other folks who will have the conversation with them and agree. And oneness, non-duality says it's all God, even though it's not God the way we want God to be showing up here in our quasi-enlightened state. And to me, that leaves open the possibility of things getting better. Because if you have somebody who's just evil, how are they going to turn into God? How are they going to become godlike? How are they going to improve? Yeah, I don't think that there's people that's just evil. I wouldn't just say that. There's issues going on. And, don't, and also, you're talking to a psych major. So that's where I started. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I started my whole world, you know, in psychology and philosophy and all of that business. So the conversation can go way, way. But it's a fine line that we're treading. And I'm trying to make sure, listen to me, make sure. I don't want to get confused. And I wouldn't want anybody that knows me and listens to me <laughs> to get confused and think that because when you say I am expressing God, that's an okayness. You know, that's like, okay, that's a God thing. It is not. It's stuff that happened. Things get in the way, trauma, whatever it is, but you got to point your finger at that. Yes. See, I'm a panentheist. You know, I think that we are all in God. And as such, there's always that possibility for goodness. Always, no matter what happens, goodness and everything is always available. Even though you're sloshing around in the mud, that goodness is always available. But I cannot give an excuse or wiggle room for anything but choice. Okay. Now, I'm a rookie compared to you, okay? I'm saying that, but... Well, I'm a rookie compared to Emma Curtis Hopkins. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to continue with a little bit of Emma Curtis Hopkins, and then a practical prayer. Get inspiration in an instant. God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. And you said we have been talking about non-duality, duality, oneness, and all of that. And this is possibly the juiciest topic that we come around to in New Thought, because inside of it is the idea of good and evil, of why things are okay with God when they seem to be so un-okay with us. And so how do we turn that into a prayer, especially a prayer about oneness? And we do that by reminding ourselves of Emma Curtis Hopkins. 
And my favorite quote from Emma Curtis Hopkins, who says, this too is good. This too is God. This too is for me now. And I demand to see the blessing in it. You just imagine yourself with your hand on your hip stomping your foot. I demand to see the blessing in it. And what that tells us is that there are things that we see, things that we experience in the world that suck, that are absolutely not okay. And it is so mysterious to us that this could possibly be good. This could possibly be God. How could that possibly happen? And Emma says, this too is good. This too is God. This too is for me now. And I demand to see the blessing in it. And what that does is it acknowledges the crappy stuff that's going on. And there can be, and some of it's really bad. You know, you take a situation where, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and, oh, that's bad. But then you think about things like atrocities and they're worse. And those are different levels of our own judgment. But if it is true, as Emma is pointing out, that it's all God and it's all good, then whatever it is that we're looking at, this too is good. This too is God. This too is for me now. And I demand to see the blessing in it. And that last part is about how do I understand that bigger truth that I'm so resistant to up until now? How could this possibly be good? Because currently, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. And we're not going to answer that question now, but we are going to be able to open ourselves up to a new possibility. And that's the prayer. The prayer that we get to do is the awareness of the oneness. So if you're comfortable, go ahead and close your eyes. And that's not to hide. <laughs> that's to turn away from the details and the specifics in the world around us, which can be so distracting. They can be so distracting. The things that are happening that when we understand that it's all one, that there is one power and presence, one love that shares itself as all of its creation, we look at these things and we say, how could that possibly be good? How could that possibly be the divine revealing itself? And remember that Emma Curtis Hopkins told us, this too is good. This too is God. This too is for me now. And I demand to see the blessing in it. And wrapped in there is the awareness that there is somehow a blessing in this. The rains fall and the floods come. And then after that, there's plenty of water and everything's been rinsed. And perhaps things have been rearranged in a way that's going to allow something new to happen. Not that we would have chosen the deluge or the flood. This too is good. This too is God. This too is for me now. And I demand to see the blessing in it. That means we're in the middle of the story and we need to get some perspective. We need to be able to go to the other side of the street and see it from a different vantage point to understand, ah, there is something that's happening here. There is room for goodness to unfold. There is room for more love to be revealed. So in whatever situation or circumstance we find ourselves where we're completely flummoxed by the thought that this could possibly be the divine expression of God, we remember that it's all God. Everything, everywhere, everyone, every moment, every experience, everything is that divine presence shared in its own specific way. Sometimes it's easy to see. Feeling that divine presence within us, having a wonderful time on a gorgeous spring afternoon, it's easy to see God. And at other times, it's not nearly so easy. Sometimes it's much more challenging. And still, it's all God. It is all that divine goodness revealed in its own way. And always the opportunity to experience that goodness in a new way. And it shows up as health and vitality, as comfort, as connection, as prosperity and enoughness, as a perfect home for us to live in, as the perfect place for us to go, as that wonderful loving relationship, that connection with family and friends and community. These are all ways that God's love unfolds and reveals itself. It's our creativity. It's the way that we share our gifts and skills and talents with the world. It's the way that we are even more deeply immersed in the awareness of the love of God that we are all sorts of different ways that this goodness is unfolding. And it's different for each of us. 
And sometimes it's obvious. And sometimes we have to demand that the infant show us what the good is. Sometimes it is almost impossible to believe. Sometimes we can't imagine a circumstance under which we could possibly believe that. Yet this too is good. This too is God. This too is for me now. And the blessing I demand to see is being revealed now. For and to and through and as each of us. There's nothing that stands in the way of that. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the willingness of each one to engage in the process. I'm grateful for the inspiration, the enlightenment, the perspective that each of us has. And I'm grateful to be able to speak this word of intention and release it into that same creative law that has created everything. That one law that creates everything. And to know it's now creating us. And so I let it be. And so it is. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.